look, unfortunately, uh, and just wonderful to, to see all of, all of the baptisms uh, over a convention. Uh, but if uh, it's anything like in Australia, we have many people come along uh, and are baptised to receive the Spirit and uh, can't last the distance and, uh, you know, drop out of the race somewhere along the way. And we see Israel as a testimony uh, to this uh, out of all of the people that uh, were called out that were of age only two made it through the wilderness and the rest fell. And there's got to be a message for us uh, in that. And I praise God that uh, I know there's going to be more than two of us that will stand before the Lord, but many will fall in the wilderness. And uh, the question I want to have today to us is, uh, well, I want to put to us to consider the problem there is... Uh, you know, people have this difficulty with overcoming the old person. And, uh, you know, we have all have personalities. I'm going to uh, ask, you know, does the inherent nature that we had prior to receiving the Spirit, uh, whatever that be, uh, you know, if before we received the Spirit, we were, I'm going to give some examples, an arrogant person or an inconsiderate person or a selfish person or a timid and fearful person a jealous, insecure person, whatever personality we had prior to coming to the Lord, can we sort of justify and allow that person to exist once we're spirit-filled and once we become a part of the church? And is it okay to say, well, look, that's just me. That's just who I am. And, And obviously it isn't. We've been made new. Well, uh, Have a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. And in Australia, we have a derogatory term. Well, it's it's sort of a term used sometimes with affection. The old man is generally the, the, the dad, you know. So overcoming the old man is not overcoming our father, but the old person that we once were. And all the people said, praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. And this is the reality of what the Lord has called us to. In Ephesians 4 verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And we have to allow this to happen. We have to allow the new man to uh, to be present in our lives. We have to put on the new man. We have to allow these changes to, to take place and not resurrect, not allow the old man to come up out of the waters of baptism and uh, once again rear his head in our lives. And once again the old man, the old ways that we thought, the old things that we allowed in our lives, we've got to, we've got to keep that down under the water, and all the people said. We're going to keep that out of our life. And uh, this is uh, obviously difficult for some to not walk in this newness of life. And, uh, you know, that that's I, I see that as the uh, that primary cause that people uh, just uh, can't continue because the old man can take over the old thoughts, the old directions that we once had in our life, the old values can uh, simply uh, be present again and steer us away from incredible blessing. 
But the Lord says here in uh, verse 25, uh, wherefore putting away lying, these are the characteristics that the Lord uh, wants, that uh, speak every man truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to, to bed with a problem that's just going to be there in the morning. Get rid of it. Sort it out. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labour, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. And in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God uh, for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And some of these things we can just read over and they perhaps don't bite very much. But if we cannot find it in our heart to forgive our brethren or to forgive uh, those who trespass against us, and I've got a confession to make when I came to, when we came to the Lord, uh, prior to coming to the Lord, Anne and I had very serious, uh, marriage, uh, issues. And even after coming to the Lord for many years, I found it extremely difficult to forgive in my heart some things that happened. And I carried that through trying to walk in the Lord. And it was like trying to carry huge bags of unforgiveness. And one day I read, about the man who'd been forgiven much, but took hold of his uh, uh, his debtor by the you know by the throat effectively, and uh, kept him locked in prison, and uh, you know just what an unjust situation that was, and to find forgiveness, and to understand what I'd been doing all of those, all of that you know for all of that time was an incredible uh, burden taken from both my wife and myself and my family. So let us never for a moment think a bit of unforgiveness is okay. We can carry that with us. A bit of a grudge, a bit of bitterness, you know, and uh, we'll be right because we look to the Scriptures and we see these things can keep us out of the kingdom of heaven and all the people said. These things can, uh, this root of bitterness can choke us. So the Lord has put this here. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you. This is the old man. If those things are in our life, we've got to understand it's the old man. This is not the the new man created in Christ. Uh, kind to uh, one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as we've been, uh, as God has forgiven you. But be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ uh, hath also loved us. We can just read over that. But the Lord says, how will people identify that look on to my church? How will they know that you are my disciples? Can anyone answer that? That you have love one for another. That's, the Lord says, people will look to my church and they will know that you are my disciples, for you have love one for another. And all the people said, don't 
don't just think that's a little thing. That's uh, the Lord says himself, that's going to be the identifying sign of my church, of my people, my disciples. Uh, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and he hath given himself uh, for us uh, for an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. After we uh, came to the Lord, uh, brother and myself found ourselves uh, north of uh, where we lived in, in a truck that broke down and we found ourselves uh, meeting up with some people that were from a Pentecostal church and and, and it, at first we thought, fantastic, great. They said, you can come and stay with us tonight and... Uh, but before we reached their home in the vehicle, we heard things that didn't sit well. You know, they were talking about all speaking in tongues and it was just all terrific and all happening. And I said, a couple of months in the Lord, I said, doesn't it say we shouldn't be doing that? And the answer was, but it feels great. So we do it. Yeah, not a problem. And as we talked on, we realized that they were spirit-filled but they had no idea, really, and their their love was a, a physical, showy love, patting each other on the back and calling each other brother and, and hugs and all sorts of things. And as we talked, we realised they, what they didn't have was a love of the Lord and his word. They, uh, you know, they certainly didn't believe that you needed to re- receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, didn't need to be baptised. They believed that everybody was right. Every church, regardless of what you believed, you were right. And it was a lesson to me at about two in the morning as we talked and discussed and and argued the toss over scriptures. Two in the morning they came out with one piece of paper that showed the only people that were not right is your church. I thought, praise the Lord, we're special. And we are, because this is the truth. That taught me something. And uh, they went away and they brought back a man. This was about six in the morning. We'd talked all night. And they brought back a man who was not spirit-filled. And their love was to tell him that what we were saying was wrong and they, they were trying to convince us to look at this man who, is, who has, does not speak in tongues, but look at him. He's saved. And the poor man was standing standing there trying to look saved. (laughs) He was doing his best. But I said, don't believe them. Believe the word of God. You get what they have got. And uh, you get yourself baptized. And uh, praise the Lord. That is not love. And all the people said. Showing, you know, hugging each other and uh, all of that. That's not love. But true love is speaking the truth and, uh, and uh, you know, genuine, unfeigned love, not pretense, love of the brethren. Genuine care and love is what the Lord is talking about. But he says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. And he goes on to list some things that says, these things will not inherit the kingdom. But in verse 8 he says, for ye, and he's talking to us, were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them in verse 11, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, it says in verse 10. 
any of the characteristics that we look at and uh, we see that the Lord does not want, if we allow those to exist in our life, we've got to understand we're putting our salvation in jeopardy. We're putting our testimony in jeopardy. If we choose not to walk in the light, but choose to walk and allow the old man and the old attitudes and the old thoughts and the old things that once drove us to come back again, we have a problem. And uh, as I say, we put our salvation in jeopardy. We just do well to walk in the Lord, walk in his light. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, if you would, to cause them to die, to kill those old ways. You know, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, which is uh, kind of like unbridled, uh, you know, uh, lust and covetousness and all of these things. And the Lord says in verse 8, put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, lie not one to another, all of these things which uh, we've already read. But in verse 18, the Lord gives us instructions for, you know, for our marriage. This is the new man. This is the new way uh, that the Lord has uh, uh, called. And these these ways are not very popular in this current world that we live. Things like wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. And it means that the husbands can be bullies and do whatever they like and the wives can't do anything about it. No, it doesn't, does it? Not at all. Perhaps it's not even funny because the reality is sometimes that's what happens. People use the scriptures to try to justify uh, a stand and a, and a you know, position uh, which is so wrong because the next verse says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Love your wives. Now, if we love our wives, this is what, you know, the Lord would want. And to love our wives, there is no way we're going to be bullies or selfish or overbearing, dominating. There is no way anything like that could ever be acceptable. And if we ever thought that it was, then we've got, uh, uh, we've got another thing coming. It's wrong. We're going to be told by the Lord that is not, uh, that is not okay. But wives, to be humble, submit yourselves unto your, to your own husbands. It's been said that, uh, for, uh, women to, to be submissive is one of the hardest things. And I've, I've always found that to be the case, but, uh, no, that's not true. That's a silly little joke. I'm sorry. For men, I heard a talk and one of the pastors suggested for men to love is, it's not, it doesn't come easy, you know. And for women to submit and to, to respect, in other words, doesn't come easy. In fact, I remember Pastor Peter's, uh, Pastor Pete Visser, the last time he said something, a great gem of wisdom. He said for every, and it's stuck in my mind. I thought it was so clever and so true. He said, for every successful man, standing behind every successful man is a very surprised woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've always found that to be the case. <laughs> but 
No, that's not true. That's not true. So for women to respect their husbands and for husbands to love their wives, I believe, has got to come from the Lord. They're just not natural things that happen generally. For children, it says, obey your parents in all things. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto, the, unto men. As Pastor Yomi said today, this is new. This, These are things that the Lord has given his church, by his spirit, capacities to do that we didn't have before. This is the newness. And uh, if we find those things are not there, and the old man comes up, and this is non-gender specific, the old man, it's it's the old person, the old personality, the old desires, the old standards and values. If they arise in our life, where we start to look around and be critical, where we start to allow ourselves to move in ways that we know are not acceptable to the Lord, we've got a problem and we need to get back to what the Lord says. So the old person, what if the old person was a person who caused offence. You know, just uh, uh, say whatever you like, no filter, just uh, be aggressive. Would that be okay? I'm sure we'd say that's not okay because uh, it says here when we look to the Scriptures, things that cause offence, woe unto the world uh, because of offences, for it must needs be that offences come, but woe to that man by whom the offence cometh. Uh, so things like offences, we can't just say, well, look, i just got to say what I think uh, without uh, without care uh, because that's just the way I am. That's not okay. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Now, we may have found that our old, uh, our old man was uh, more of a taker than a giver. And, uh, you know, do we say, well, that's just, I'm just not a very giving person. Uh, I just, you know, I come first. Well, the Lord says, now this is, this is big, you know, because it applies through all aspects of our uh, walk in the Lord. Luke 6 verse 38. And I've got to say, once again, the convention, you can just tell when you walk in and this place is set up, and it's ready to go, and there's people manning everything, and all the gear's there. It didn't get there by itself. And all the people said, as a pastor, I'm extremely aware of things like that, and uh, I know the work that goes into these uh, events and uh, just the organisation and the and the fact that we're back here today, all the gear's set up again, and we're ready to go without missing a beat. Uh, this is because... People, and I dare say it's the new creation is prepared to give because they know the value in this. If we ever find ourselves starting to measure what we're prepared to give the Lord, count on it being the old man talking, okay, because we're not seeing any more the value and the benefit uh, that is going to come back to us, uh, you know, and uh, the benefit to uh, that we uh, give, you know, to those who are brand new in the Lord and the example and the testimony that is demonstrated 
and set in place by these things is uh, the benefits are immeasurable. Luke 6 verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And uh, look, tithing and everything else, we're not a church that, uh, you know, is uh, uh, makes merchandise of the souls of its members and all the people said. But the church needs uh, tithes to operate and to function and to uh, just uh, run events like we've just seen. Tithing, our giving in that area, is uh, is extremely important. But, uh, you know, so don't think that is uh, uh, small a small thing. With this, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, if you would. Now, something that I've noticed over the years, why is it that the people who give the most have the least complaints, do you think? The people who give the most seem to have the fewest complaints. There's got to be a message in that for us. Give and you will receive. There's blessings that will come. And, uh, you know, we, we just... Uh, uh, just rejoice in this. Our time, our ministry, officers in the church, the Sunday school, the administration, the music, the audio, the hall cleaning, uh, working bees, all require our time and effort. So give and you will receive. To the generous of heart, there are generous blessings. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And I was thinking, in Australia, we have, we've got plenty of land, okay? Holland seems to have not quite the same amount of land. In Australia, I've seen uh, wheat fields, uh, wheat, uh, you know, paddocks, we call them, and uh, big, uh, har- big uh, you know, uh, hoes uh, as wide as this room, big tractors with huge, so there's this huge paddock that can be ploughed up ready for sowing and it kind of goes as far as you can see and as far that way and as far that way. This scripture reminds me of somebody who prepares the ground like that and has a handful of wheat and walks out into the paddock and chucks the wheat as far as they can and stands back and hopes for a good harvest. Are they going to get one? Don't think so. They'll have a little bit of wheat. And would they wonder why didn't, why wasn't, why wasn't this covered with wheat? And of course, if we walk our walk like that, if we prepare, we're prepared to give little. To put out little, to sow little, and expect a great harvest, then we're going to be terribly disappointed. And that's that's the old man thinking. That's what I can do, and that will be my expectation to re- to reap this bountiful harvest. But the Lord says, and here's the clincher, because the church can't make you give. Nobody can make you give. Or if they do, 
It's going to be pointless. Have a read here. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And all the people said. Now we can be driven to to uh, giving and, uh, you know, don't expect that if we give grudgingly, that's, you know, well, I suppose I can give and I'll pr- probably get something for it. Don't expect anything. Actually, God to be in a place where the new creation says, I understand this is necessary. I understand this is helpful to the work. I understand I am needed to give. And I want to give because I can look at what the Lord has done for me. And all the people said, I can see the, the wonderful benefits that the Lord has placed upon our lives. And, uh, I, uh, cannot outgive God. I was, uh, started work after I came to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, a fellow came to me and he said, and I witnessed to him and he said, do you give 10% of your wage to that church? And I said, I do. And he said, you're an idiot. And I thought, okay. And I said, well, it's like this. Uh, his name was Peter as well. And I said, before I came to the Lord, I used to smoke two to three packets of cigarettes a day. I don't do that anymore. And by the way, in Australia, I figured out that would probably cost 50 to $80 a day. I don't do that anymore. And I said, and I used to smoke roughly you know, an amount of marijuana each week. That cost that much. I also used to drink alcohol, and it cost me this much. And I said, put that together, I don't have to do any of those anymore. And I quoted a scripture incorrectly, but I said, and God, by the way, has whatever I give, God has promised that he would give back tenfold And he thought for a moment and said, you're just in it for the money. (laughs) Okay. So you can't please them. We're not in it for the money. And all the people said. So, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, to finish, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And it goes on to say, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remaining uh, remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This just grows and grows and grows into all good things. But it's only there if we keep the old man, the old attitudes, the old prejudices, the old whatever they were, corruptions, whatever. We keep that aside and we head for this mark of the, 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 uh, of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, that we press towards that we will only achieve that by keeping the old man out of our lives. And all the people said, Amen.